Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Everybody, welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I am Patrick Hardy, joined as always by Danny Carter. Monday, June nineteenth, the day after the U.S. Open, the day after Father's Day, which Denny, I told you celebrate, even though curiously you only have two kids and don't have four, <laughs> like me. Like uh, I don't think you're really trying that hard. If yeah, you only have two kids. If you're like, no, uh, Denny revels in being a dad. How was your Father's Day, Denny? Uh, it was good. Uh, you know, I. I am aware that you really shouldn't be celebrating Father's Day unless you have at least three children. So I, I get I get where you're. Yeah, where I'm you're. actually only provisional with four. It's actually supposed to be six um, before you're really allowed to start celebrating. I'm I'm provisionally allowed to celebrate with four though. So they can work on work your farm. Is, yes, is that, of course. That's, that's uh, why we're uh, having so want many. Want them kids. to work the land. It was good. So I I actually spent uh, part of my Father's Day announcing a dive meet at the local swimming pool uh that my kids <laughs> participated in it was uh it was it was a fun time and someone had heard that i do podcasts and they said hey that guy has a voice and i said i do i do have a voice i can use it to announce kids names so that was fun i did i did happen to notice though something in the new york times i don't know if you saw this pat oh, uh really? it was a uh, it was a piece called the dad canon Circa Now, and uh, it was written by Joseph Bernstein, uh, the uh, subhead, if I could just tell folks what it's about, our highly specific, clearly subjective taxonomy on what today's dads can't stop wearing, reading, and talking about. And as I scrolled through here, I I saw a familiar name. I saw Patrick Darty <laughs> had contributed to this list with a little snippet about fantasy football. So congratulations, on that patent. And if you don't mind, uh, I would like to read this. I know I just read it to you six times over the phone. You just kept saying, read it over. Read <laughs> so, it over. Uh, uh, I had uh, no idea you, you were going to bring this up after I told you to bring it up. I'm just shocked. <laughs> I'm flattered. Uh, well, you, you called me at four in the morning demanding that I bring it up today. So, I, <laughs> so here we go. Uh, I was proud of it. What did it say? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so the, the the headline of your little piece is uh, uh, the league, but in real life, like the TV show. But in real I didn't life. come up with that for the record. Right. Um, uh, fantasy football. It's all here, said Patrick Darty, a fantasy football writer for NBC and a father of four. The illusion of control. If 
vicarious athletic glory, low maintenance friendships, ritualized relaxation in the form of 12 hour Sundays on the couch to say nothing of Monday and Thursday evenings. And that is all really, really well said. I, I mean, if I could just point to one thing you wrote, the, uh, uh, vicarious athletic glory. I mean, that no no truer thing has ever been written in the New York Times, and I'll go to my grave saying. <laughs> I had various people telling me certain parts of it hit home. I think for me, it is the illusion of control, where I'm still I'm going to fix this team. Yeah, uh, I'm going to fix this oh, team, yeah. and you know, that's more of a redraft phenomenon. But most of our listeners are redraft players. Lots of them, of course, played DFS. But the redraft, you're you're always one move away from fixing the team. Like I. This is the year, uh, you know, Trayvon, Trevion Williams, the squad is going <laughs> to once I burn 32% of my fab budget on Trayvon Williams where it's to the moon yeah. and the illusion of control is what really gets me a fans. Well, football. look, it, 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 and it really is a, a desire for, for control because for our whole childhoods, you know, we grew up rooting for our local team. Let's just stick to football for now. Uh, since we theoretically are a football show so, uh, you know, you, you stick to, you, you know, you're, you're rooting for your team. You think you know what's best for them and, and you, and you have very certain and specific ideas about who they should draft and who they should sign and which coach they should get. And they don't do that. Right. And so you're just left as a, as an observer rather than someone who's dictating the terms of how this team operates and, and fantasy football has delivered that to us in the form of teams that we can control. So it is, it is something I think that, that stems from uh, the lack of control we have over our favorite teams. No, it's true. Yeah. That is, it really is a reaction to that. Like with John Mozalek, he's an idiot. Uh, Guess what? I'm going to win this title in baseball this year. And (laughs) tell you what really hit home for me in the article. And this is actually not a joke. Mm -hmm. When I read father of four, I had never seen (laughs) that written out before. I think even like said out loud, I was like, wow, this guy sounds crazy. Um, why? <laughs> why do have they so many kids? Why would they do that? And no, it was very, very cool to be in the old grade lady. And no, it was seriously like amazing. I, I was like, uh, I, I really sweated it. Let's put yeah. it that way. Spent yeah. Spent 24 no, hours I, trying to get my 50 words down to a science. I, I just, I do want to tell everyone um, that I am in no way jealous. Uh, <laughs> not at all. Stop Didn't you have an op-ed in the New York Times at one point? I did. Am I that was, that, was, that? that was years ago. That was years ago. So, yeah, we both, isn't that crazy? We are both part of the New York Times canon. We're in the archives. Um, we, are we are in, in the, the archives of the old uh, gray lady. I, I, if I can mention one more thing that's in the piece uh, about dads, it's uh, opinions on t-shirts. And it basically goes through all the various uh, uh, T-shirts that you can buy: crew neck or wide neck or ribbed neck or V-neck, untucked or tucked, straight hem or curved, graphic or no graphic. And these are actually things that you end up having to consider with a lot of attention uh, as you as you get older, and and suddenly you you're not as uh, svelte as as you yes. once were. And this- so T-shirts matter a lot. This is not a joke. When I'm on social media, like I think at least 50 to 60% of my targeted ads are this t-shirt will make you look not like a dad. Yeah. And like I that's like half of these companies spend $10,000 a week advertising just to me trying to get me to buy like true classic t-shirts and yeah. won't look fat. And that's that they used to have like real like clever wording and stuff and now it's just what it says won't look fat. Yeah. Wow. Right. I mean, 
right? Oh, sell me a little more than that. I, I, I also do appreciate that those companies uh, use guys who are 6'2", 180 pounds. I know. Always. I'm like, wow, even the guys in the ads who are supposed to look out of shape are on HGH well, for some reason. Well, well, I don't even know if they're supposed to look out of shape. They But they put the shirt on and they look down like, oh, hey, look, I look amazing. Yeah. Who would have thought? I go to the gym twice a day. I have a I have a rippling eight pack, and this T shirt looks good on me for some reason. So check out the Dad Cannon yeah. at the New York Times by Mr. Joseph Bernstein. It was a real pleasure to contribute. Uh, it was a better way than you spent your weekend, by the way, uh, debating RFK Jr. on zero RB. Um, <laughs> well, we're not going to get into. I had that. I had apparently the company. You, you would have been fired if you didn't. You did well though. You acquitted right. yourself well. Zero <laughs> RB is still the lay of the land, and that's because Denny of situations like Joe Mixon and Cincinnati where all offseason, you know, for a while, I think we kind of took it for granted that Joe Mixon was going to get cut uh, for a variety of reasons, off the field issues, efficiency just crashing in 2022, very expensive considering his recent production. But then the Bengals kind of gave him a series of like votes of confidence. Coach Zach Taylor said they were moving forward with him, I think was the exact quote, something like that. I was like, wow, okay, they're not cutting Joe Mixon. And they certainly passed the part of the offseason where it would have made the most sense to cut Joe Mixon. But just today on Monday, the Athletics' Joe Daner reported that the end game for Joe Mixon, quote, will be determined by whether he is willing to realign his $12.8 million salary cap hit, a.k.a. take a massive pay cut, um, to the current state of the running back market. And this does make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I was shocked that he survived so long on the roster that there hadn't really been – any even real rumors about his roster spot being in danger. We were kind of just starting to move forward thinking that the Bengals had decided to keep Joe Mixon and kick this can down the road. And the end game could still be Joe Mixon remaining on the Bengals 53 man roster once week one comes around. But I'm not surprised now to see this talk kind of like finally coming out into the open and Joe Mixon's roster spot being like put officially in danger. And this is a really, really long preamble to just ask you like, uh, what do you think about this? Right. Well, I mean, it it opens up a, a lot of or it opens up avenues for a lot of backs to assert themselves here. Uh, I know, actually, this will be the second Travion Williams uh, comment or mention of the that is stunning of the podcast <laughs> uh, and probably the eighth of uh, our show this off season. But you know, the the coaching staff, including Zach Taylor, has really talked up Travion Williams, who has basically not been used at all. Uh, like the entirety of his rookie contract, he's been yeah. in the league for a while. But, but I, you know, and maybe maybe that does have something to do with uh, with Joe Mixon probably heading out. You know, uh, we have Chris Evans, we have Chase Brown, the highly productive rookie out of the University of Illinois. So you know, I, I think any of those guys could emerge as the primary back if Mixon does head out now. I, I do want to mention that the Bengals last year were the uh, the the third had the third highest pass rate over expected in the league, so, so they're they're not exactly establishing it at any point. Joe Mixon was a big part of that too. Caught sixty balls. Yes, right, right. So so there there will be value in in the PPR uh, uh, scam category as well for for these for these running backs. But I mean, right now you know it might be good to take shots on 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 some of these guys in, in best ball drafts. And it, I know fantasy football managers tend to shy away from backfields like this. Oh, I don't, I don't even want to mess with it. You know, who knows? Who knows? Well, that that's good. Like, like that. That's kind of where an edge can be. You know, if you if you look into it strongly enough, uh, if you take enough shots on these guys, 
And and if you get it right, man, I mean, you could get insane value out of one of these guys here. I have a hard time believing it's going to be Travion Williams, who played out an entire rookie contract and touched the ball 55 times in four years. And yeah. that was because he was behind Joe Mixon. That was because they had some IGP, Ryan. They had a few other kind of like higher-profile reserve backs cycle through the roster in those years. But as we kind of talk about with Alexander Madison, if you go through an entire rookie contract and never, like, command touches, that's never a good sign. And I know they're talking him up. They also let him reach the open market. He gauged his value. There was no value out there to be found for him. He returned to Cincinnati on a one-year deal. I would be much more interested in rookie Chase Brown, who some people are truthing for different reasons. He's already 23, had major college workloads, so maybe a lot of tread off the tires. Uh, Only fifth-round draft capital, I believe, for Chase Brown. But I have a really hard time getting excited with Travion Williams, despite the Bengals coaching staff trying to make him a thing. And I'm drafting zero RB. I am taking a lot of flyers on Chase Brown with the knowledge that Joe Mixon could retain his roster spot. But I'm ignoring basically everything said on Travion Williams and focusing on Chase Brown. I think that's that's probably a good process here. Uh, I think Chase Brown will be dismissed by kind of haughty analytics nerds like myself. Smart Twitter. Um, Right. Be Oh, well, he's just a guy. You know, he like he didn't impress in college. He just got a huge workload. Well, you know, hey. It might be time. It might be time to embrace. I, I actually have an article coming out about this very yeah. thing. You're apparently giving up on analytics, I hear. We are we are uh, pivoting away from analytics. We are pivoting toward film, and uh, <laughs> 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 not entirely. Not I don't want to freak anybody out, but but yeah. So Chase Brown's boring. Is this is what you're saying? Chase Brown is not exciting at all, and that's okay. And he could definitely still be the lead back here and be really useful for your fantasy team. Unless you just love analytics. You don't really like, you don't really like fantasy points. In that case, you don't, you don't draft chase around. There is a certain segment segment of the fantasy football populace where they hear 23 year old rookie and they send me the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, or 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 worse they just they throw their laptop across the sure are they yeah they projectile vomit yeah right a they, lot of they, different they, reactions they none of them are excitement them. but chase brown he caught 27 balls last year too for the university of illinois and this seems like a guy who has multiple avenues to force his way onto the field so even if trayvon williams does become a, like an important part of a post joe mixon committee if such a committee even exists Seems like there are a lot of avenues for Chase Brown to force his way on the field. I guess I can't overlook the fact that Travion Williams, this coaching staff, did like him enough to at least re-sign him when they could have put a different stamp on the backfield. Yes, but I don't. Do you think Joe Mixon will be on the team? No. I, yeah, I don't think so either. It seems like a Leonard Fournette with the Jaguars type situation, or running back is a position where a lot of high-dollar players seem to get cut in training camp. Like Leonard Fournette, can't think of any other examples, but I know it is something. I mean, Dalvin Cook, as we saw wasn't camp, but they waited until June to release him. And a lot of times there are kind of like arcane salary cap reasons yeah. for that. But I, just, I do just sort of feel it would just make too much sense for the Bengals yeah. to move on uh, from Joe Mixon. We have to operate as if Mixon is not going to be with the team. He, he, uh, some some comments from this offseason from Bengals brass. Zach Taylor uh, two months ago said, Joe Mixon is, quote, on the team right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding. That wasn't parody. That was real. No, no. Uh, Bengals executive vice president Katie Blackburn said the following. (laughs) This is back in in March. 
a quote right now. He's on the team. Wow, this is, <laughs> if true, this and could we, be huge. And we are going to count on him until that wouldn't be the case. But yeah, <laughs> he's the guy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, no, I, like it's it's over. It's over for Mixon. And we have we, you got to draft uh, as if he's not going to be on the team. And, I, and I'm with you. I'm on the I'm on the Chase Brown uh, bandwagon. Yeah, just draft Joe Mixon. Yeah, do not draft Joe Mixon and proceed as if he's not on the team. Currently, the RB sixteen. I would be steering clear of Joe Mixon. Well, um, just because. Yeah, we have to remember that Joe Mixon will get two hundred carries for the Cowboys this year. He will. That's important to remember for <laughs> Mr. Tony Pollard. Uh, don't get too comfortable, Tony. And uh, yeah, so Joe Mixon. We'll see. Stefan Diggs, Denny. What we did see on Stefan Diggs was he in camp? Was he not in camp? Uh, turns out he was in mini camp. Yeah. But the Boston Globe's Ben Volan reports his frustration with the Bills, quote, stems with his from his role in the offense and his voice in the play calling. I don't know if it was Ben Volan or someone else, but rumors that he was screaming at Josh Allen after the Bills were eliminated in the divisional round last year by who uh, who beat them? The Bengals. Bengals. Yeah. Bengals. Yeah. And first, I don't, I don't really know why he's mad. He had like the second best season of his entire career last year. Got a lot of targets. But it just seems like the the enemy is speaking kindly and holding a knife, Denny, with Stefan Diggs, that kind yeah. of thing. Right. I mean, yeah, he was he was yelling at Josh Allen. He stormed off the field uh, right after the the loss, and then uh, skipped a lot of the off season, uh, all of the off season stuff until he wasn't at mandatory minicamp, but also was. So that that was hard to figure out. I I, I don't really know what this means, what this kind of report means, because we have uh, Stefan Diggs. Earning a 28% target share last just last season. Okay, uh, here the the guys who had a higher target share in their respective offenses: Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill. That's it. Okay, like I don't know. He had he uh, Stephen Diggs saw one third, fully one third of the Buffalo air yards last year. I don't really know how his role could expand here. Uh, I guess he wants to play. He wants to call plays now. I, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I, I've never, I never heard of that part, uh, but, but uh, he, his role can't get bigger is what I'm saying. No, no, I know. I've really, this just seems like a receiver almost like having to manufacture his own drama for like motivation or something heading into yeah. the season. Cause not really sure how he expects to be used more. And it, the role is going to remain the same. I mean, I know they use the first round pick on a yeah. pass catcher, but as we know, it's like a big slot Mike Jacecki type. It's not going to be really the kind of thing that's going to eat too heavily into Stefan Diggs's target share. And you got Khalil Shakir and Trent Sherfield duking it out for number three duties and league's most disappointing number two receiver in Gabe Davis. And I mean, maybe it's, it's like, must be like a, a, a key moments thing. He wants the ball every critical third down, which probably would be smart. The Bills had a lot of other poor sure. ideas that did not work sure. last year in offense, but very hard to tell what he's actually upset about. I, I mean, he might be uh, understanding that the Bills can't compete with the Bengals and the Chiefs uh, and, and with their roster, and and he's probably very fr- preemptively frustrated for what's going to happen this year. The Bills can compete, by the way. This is interesting. I posted a, a non-ironic poll on Twitter last week where I just asked, have the Bills peaked? I think 80% of respondents said they had peaked a little higher than I would have thought. I actually do agree with the sentiment, but I do think the talent base, like the baseline is still high enough for the bills where they, they could get hot in the playoffs and still win a Super Bowl. I don't think they've totally missed their window. They have missed their peak, 
I don't think the window is all the way closed, but I, I think the bills are, they're not going to be like a prohibitive favorite anymore, but they're, there's still enough talent here to like go on a run. Uh, hey, the cliche you yeah. can think of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get, I, I agree with that. I will say I saw another poll, another Twitter poll, and that's what we base our opinions on. Yes. Um, that's, that's analytics, honestly, where it was uh, asking Bills fans, would you be satisfied if Josh Allen only won one Super Bowl in his career? And the answer was no. And the, the, it, was a, it was a tight, tight poll, but the answer was no. And I'm thinking uh, there's a pretty great chance that Josh Allen will not win a Super Bowl. So, and also, your franchise has never won a Super Bowl. Maybe be happy with the greatest moment in franchise history if yeah. it ever happens. I, I, with the way he plays, uh, with the team. Allen, uh, he is basically like the the next evolution of Cam Newton. Like, this isn't going to be like 15 years under center. No, for Josh no, no, Allen. no. It's just not. Uh, yeah. We already might be that the elbow didn't require surgery which in theory is good news for Josh Allen, but that, that's the kind of thing. It ended up being bad news. Like, oh, wow. Kind of wish he had gone under the knife because his arm strength just does not look the same. And Yeah, that's true. I, that's very mixed news that he didn't have surgery to me. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, it's it's a tough thing. Unless Joe Burrow and or Patrick Mahomes goes down, uh, Josh Allen is not winning the Super Bowl. That's my thought. On that. Joe Burrow could have a, a shorter, smaller window than we think, too, just because of his absolute addiction to taking sacks. Well, he, he would not throw the ball away. Every play he's ordered, the, I'll take the Russell Wilson. And, yeah. <laughs> um, or I'm either going to make the most spectacular throw you've ever seen or get sacked. And <laughs> it's a little little different than Russ's game, but similar in just this absolute devotion to getting crushed by two oncoming defensive linemen. He, he loves it, and you have to respect that. Patrick Mahomes, meanwhile, has never taken a hit. <laughs> and he's, no. been in, he's been in the NFL, what, six years? I've never once seen the man take a hit. No, he just does his little dad shuffle to he the sideline and somehow gets a first down. Patrick Mahomes should have been in the dad cannon. Um, by the way, there was a Twitter poll, too. Uh, respondents, who won the zero RB debate between RFK Jr. and Denny Carter? And it's currently 81 to 19 for RFK, by the way. <laughs> um, so. Oh, man. I know you didn't. I thought you had a more convincing case. Well, that's because Rogan retweeted it. I know. Yeah. So uh, not to get political, but you are losing your your debate very heavily to RFK Jr. Denny. It's a very, very concerning situation for the company. <laughs> so uh, Denny, Isaiah Pacheco is someone I've been talking up as an RB2 steal all offseason. He's been barely getting drafted as an RB2, an underdog. I think he's the RB25 right now. And maybe that's because some people were, were paying more attention to a detail that's very easy to gloss over, as I have mostly done, um, that he had hand surgery, he had shoulder labrum surgery, a major operation. He's still not healthy. The Athletics um, – the, I've lost my note here. The Athletics' Nate Taylor reports yeah. that the Chiefs hope he is ready, quote, sometime midway through camp. A little concerning. Uh, people keep ta- talking up rookie generic Price. Is that how you say generic? Didn't it, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You you are going to apparently talk him up, and just are we worried about Isaiah Pacheco's health? And can we draft him like with confidence, or is this something where like being told on June nineteenth someone might not be ready to midway through camp that that is a little alarming? Yeah, I mean, I I, I would say after seeing that report that I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Pacheco is not a full go throughout training camp, and you know may, could could still be ready for week one, but. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to monitor that monitor that very closely. I mean, the 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 only guys who would benefit would be 
uh, CEH or this rookie out of Tulsa, Daenerys Price. Um, I left Jarek McKinnon out because I think McKinnon's role is sort of set in stone as the the pass catching back who gets a lot of valuable looks and touches inside the 10 yard line. So we have to remember that for fantasy purposes. But uh, yeah, I mean, if Pacheco, I guess, misses time or isn't isn't ready, then a guy like a guy like Prince would would make sense just because Edwards Elaire has been so deeply disappointing as both a rusher and pass catcher, just like really just a guy. And I think the I think the Chiefs have come to terms with the fact that they really messed up with that pick. They did not pick up his fifth year uh, deal, his fifth year extension. What is it called? <laughs> fifth, year. Uh, fifth year team option. Didn't yeah, there, there you go. The option. He did, they didn't do the option for the fifth year for CEH. So we we know where they stand on him. This this guy Prince is is somewhat interesting. Uh, he blew away the combine. He has a uh, a crazy nine point five eight relative athletic score. You know. And uh, where was he drafted, Denny? He was. Uh, well, I don't even fifth round. No, he was undrafted. He was undrafted. Undrafted. Wait, right? I don't know. I first off, I called him Price and not Prince. Yeah, he he is an undrafted. Free he was undrafted. Yes, I okay. I do say, and uh, uh, and and also it should be noted that uh, twenty five percent, a full quarter of his career rushing yards at Tulsa came against uh, the University of South Florida, which has one of the worst defenses in the nation. So you know he took advantage of a good matchup. You have to you got to hand it to him for that. You do have to hand him to him for that. Also. Let's keep that in mind. So I'm not I'm not like over the moon for Prince. Honestly, the likelihood is Pacheco is fine for week one. He gets his regular early down stuff. He is a good RB2. Pacheco too, even though it's only one year of a track record, I think he's established this point. Where he, he doesn't have anything to prove in training camp, especially with his violent rushing style. Where I, he could be the guy who doesn't really see any live reps in camp or especially the preseason and it's just all about having him ready for his normal role in week one where he could like barely be out there during training camp and it probably won't be worth reading into that much. And it just could be giving his shoulder again. Labrum is a very serious operation, giving mm-hmm. his shoulder as much time as possible to heal up. And I, I do – that's where I fall on it is that it's more about the Chiefs being cautious. And with Daenerys Prince, who again, I'm sorry, I called Price, I think Prince and CEH kind of comes down to they're competing for one roster spot. And – Maybe the Chiefs will take four running backs. And it'll probably honestly be scored in favor of CEH. He's under contract this year. It's guaranteed money from his rookie deal. They might try to stash Prince on the practice squad. Could be risky. He could be someone who gets claimed off waivers if they cut him loose at final cuts. But I I think it's CEH and Prince competing for one roster spot. And Prince is going to have to translate the offseason hype to training camp to really get on that 53-man roster. It could happen. But it seems like it could also just be a classic situation where we talk about a guy for months and Andy Reid's like, oh, yeah, Prince, um, who's that guy? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's a pretty good chance that he doesn't know who that is. Yeah. No, no, yeah, probably not. So we'll see with generic Prince. Yeah, so talk about someone we hype up all offseason and then does absolutely nothing during the regular season. Zamir White of the Las Vegas Raiders, didn't he? Um, friend of the show, Tashawn Reed, who came on to help preview the Raiders last summer, wrote last Thursday, though, He's making a lot of progress, uh, displaying growth in minicamp, that they may call on him to, quote, balance out the workload a bit more in 2023. Sean Reed's a very good reporter, uh, but the Raiders and Josh Jacobs are currently at loggerheads on his, his franchise tag. 
And do we think the Raiders may be talking up Samir White? Is this more about Josh Jacobs and like trying to like scare him out into signing and reporting yeah. on time than it is Samir White actually being ready for any more work? It probably is that. Uh, also, it's that Josh Jacobs is simply not there at mandatory minicamp, and Zamir White is, and so Zamir White gets a lot of touches and I guess plays the the role of the of the lead back in the Vegas offense. And so beat you know beat writers see that they write about it. The team see the coaches see it. They talk about it. Uh, I, so I think that's kind of a na- the the natural way these things go when the lead, when the the clear lead back is not is not there for whatever reason injury or or, or contract or otherwise. Uh, I, I'm trying not to overthink this too much. Josh Jacobs will be back. He will play. Uh, there's no reason to think he will not see a massive workload again this year. And two, I mean, it could be quite possible. Zamir White is looking a lot better and has displayed sure. a lot of progress mm-hmm. and is just more ready to like be part of a committee but that it just that won't matter if Josh Jacobs is there because he is the every down back. He has become the most important player to the Raiders offense, maybe even more important than Devontae Adams, not saying he's better than Devontae Adams mm-hmm. or anything like that, but where he's like the one idea they have that works. And yeah, yeah. Like Jimmy G might not even be able to get the ball to Devontae Adams. And yeah. Josh Jacobs is so important to this operation for the Raiders. After they did spend a lot of time trying to make him a committee back, they drafted Zamir White. They signed Brandon Bolden. Yep. They were like leaking reports all last offseason. It's going to be a committee this year, guys. And Josh Jacobs is just like, uh, no, it will not be a committee. And I will be amazing. And- That's right. That's how it went. And uh, so Zamir White is purely a contingency option for fantasy. It, it, you, you add him, you stash him to the – the bottom of your of your bench and you probably have the Raiders primary running back if Josh Jacobs misses time this year that's that's what it'll come down to for Zamir White and then Denny uh the joke that it was so good I had to unmute to say it then you, you cut Zamir White in week two um, <laughs> don't do you spend, it you spend four months thinking about it and then he gets one touch in week one a zero yard catch and you're like all right on to the next one uh you gotta you gotta just stick it out sometimes folks nope that was Amir White, and you will, though, hopefully stick it out with the show when we return right after this. Download the Rotorold app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It is available in your app store today. And don't forget, every season is draft season. Get your Rotorold draft guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. It's packed with profiles, rankings, and projections. Order today and get all three Rotorol draft guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code Barry to save an extra 20% off at checkout. That is promo code B-E-R-R-Y to save an extra 20% off at checkout. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. How's baseball going for you, by the way? But just real quick, I'll answer that. But RFK, it's now 83-17. Yeah. They won the zero RB debate. I need I need my people to get in there. Come on. Come on, get in there and save Denny. Uh, baseball, Denny. I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fans, and they're 20, 29 and 43. If you want to know how baseball's going. Yeah, I see um, your tweets, and they're becoming more existential every, every there. day. And I mean, you want to talk about – this is like the biggest scandal in St. Louis in years. And we've had lots of real scandals, but the baseball team being 14 games under uh, 500 – the entire region is melting down. <laughs> we do not know what to do. Is everybody in a bad mood? Like if We're, you go to Seven Eleven, are is are people just down? I not to take get too personal, take two people people too far behind the curtain. But I, I was stabbed unprovoked at a Seven <laughs> Eleven. Um, no, it wasn't a robbery. It was just about the Cardinals had just lost, and I was stabbed. And <laughs> I'm sorry, he said he was taking out some aggression. I didn't press charges because I he was just taking out some aggression. How can you blame him? Yeah, Mike Yastrzemski had homered in the ninth inning against the Cardinals, and it was just a very dark day. Yeah, hey, you know, that's uh, it, it happened. It's part of being a baseball fan. It is. This is part of being a sports fan. It's so, getting stabbed once in a while. Yeah, you know? this is part of being a sports it was, it was It was a very dull knife. It was fine. <laughs> Barely um, broke the skin. Yeah, so uh, that might be too dark for the show, but yeah, sorry. Um, uh, Sky Moore, Denny. Uh, we're going to do this again, apparently. Uh, Chiefs coach Andy Reid said Sky's, quote, taking a good jump. This, uh, and Sky, he did have some of his most important plays very late in the season, scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl. But the way I viewed Sky more, I mean, I know Juju Smith-Schuster is gone. There's targets for the taking. I kind of viewed the second-round pick of Rasheed Rice from SMU as like a do-over on Sky more. And SMU is a bigger school than Western Michigan, uh, more of a football school. Western Michigan, the directional Michigan schools are all surprisingly good at football. <laughs> but uh, it's a – I don't know. I, I felt like Rasheed Rice, maybe I'm just like connecting a dot that's not there. I felt like there was them trying to do Sky more over. And like yeah. trying to get lucky basically with like a smaller school receiver, like someone who maybe would have been had first-round hype if they had played at a Power 5 school and that they're already kind of admitting the st- mistake on Sky more. Or is that way too simplistic of a view? And it's just a really talented receiver who had everything go wrong his rookie year. It could be a great post-type sleeper in an offense where Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. No, I'm not. I'm not doing this. No, I'm not. I'm not even going to entertain the idea that Sky Moore could be a thing for fantasy. Like, yeah, okay, he he could he could get more run. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at his his routes, his pass routes from last year, and man, that is some bleak stuff. Like, he's uh. Oh, he he ran over 11 pass routes in four games last year. Okay, so just simply not used at all. Uh, our 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 good friend, former colleague John Daigle, uh, shared with me the other day when I went on a show that uh, he believes Sky Moore will be could be a healthy scratch on game days oh, because come on, John. because he will not he will he won't be part of the special teams and he will not be high enough on the depth chart for for the receivers to to get on the field 
And I and I said, hey, you know what? I don't think that's such a hot take. I think that that is a, a very real possibility. Well, he did not prove his special teams value as a rookie. Uh, no arguments no. there. Really, really. I wish I loved anything as much as Sky Moore loves back-breaking fumbles inside his own 20-yard line. He loves them. Um, that kind of situation. I, it's just such a weird I, – I, for an elite offense, has there ever been a receiver core that has this many variables? Like the Chiefs are banking on Kadarius Tony's hamstring staying yeah. healthy for more than three games. They're banking on Sky Moore, who just, yeah, objectively terrible rookie year, taking a step forward. They're banking on another second round rookie from a non power five school becoming an important part of their offense. I'm assuming you don't use a second round pick on receiver like Rasheed Rice unless you expect him, you know, to play legitimate snaps. Um, Marquez Valdez Scantling is still there. And it's like so many variables. And, it's like, who can we even – I mean, I, I know the answer, I guess, is Tony behind Travis Kelsey. It was like, who can we even, like, feel good taking flyers on in this offense? And normal, like, 12-team redraft, not talking Dynasty. Dynasty, yeah. I did take Rasheed Rice uh, over Marvin Mims, and we'll see if I live to rue the day. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you'll rue completely the day, but uh, it, it, there could be some ruing, I think. There could be some ruing. Uh, just back to Sky Moore for a second. Uh, if you really want to get granular here, and that's what we do on the show, and I, I love to cherry pick some stats, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play the part of an analytics dork who loves Sky Moore, okay? Uh, and really, I'm just a tough guy who does not like Sky Moore. <laughs> you're just you're role playing as an analytics dork. Yeah, let me just let me just role play for a second and just tell you this: when he actually saw some some slot action last year uh, in week eleven, weeks eleven and twelve. Uh, he, he got some opportunity. He saw, uh, six targets in, in each of those weeks. He caught five, five balls for, uh, 99 yards total. I'm sorry. He caught 10 of those passes for 99 yards total as a slot player. Now, when he was deployed as a boundary receiver is when he was completely ignored as a pass catcher. So, you know, if we, if there's some indication that, that he will become, I don't know, the primary slot guy, for the Chiefs, then then uh, we may be we may be onto something there. And Juju leaving behind plenty of slot reps, presumably. True. So, we'll see. Juju apparently maybe an easy upgrade. If we're getting reports now that he was playing on a bum knee all year for the Chiefs, which would have been nice to know. Yeah, it, you know there are things that come out in the off season where you're like, man, I would love to have known that at Halloween last year. Yes, and I'm like, oh wow, so yeah, he couldn't walk all year. Uh, <laughs> so he put a shot in his knee thirty minutes before the game. That would have been nice. And yeah, we call that managing, Pat. We do. We, by the way, we probably have some listeners thinking about the Chiefs receiver core, just muttering to themselves. It was, it was always second year undrafted free agent Justin Ross, and we can't forget oh. Justin Ross in these Chiefs receiver conversations. Who, he's one of the the analytics and fantasy nerd champions. So, we'll see what happens with Justin Ross, and we'll see what happens with the Chiefs receiver core. There are targets for the taking. Yeah, I've, Justin Ross has has gotten some some decent reports. Uh, uh, back in June, uh, June 1st. So back uh, in June, Denny, the current month is June. I'm sorry. It feels like July. Uh, it does, actually. Just, Andy Reid <laughs> said uh, Justin Ross has the trust of Patrick Mahomes, things of that nature. So I, I, I think that he's he's a dark horse here in the conversation about who, which Kansas City receiver will not drive us completely insane. Yeah, Justin Ross, kidding aside, is definitely someone to keep an eye on. Targets for the taking in Kansas City, there are touches for the taking in Dallas, where the backfield, at least as of now, is without Ezekiel Elliott. It still seems like the Cowboys 
are having problems coming to terms with this. And Jerry Jones, like, calls up a reporter, like, every other day, like, yeah, we might resign Zeke. Uh, I miss him so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so much. And the reporter's like, Jerry, can I call you back? I'm on my son's baseball game. And Jerry just starts silently sobbing. And, <laughs> and yeah, you can call the, me back. The reporter, no, puts him on speakerphone. It's like, Jerry Jones is just openly weeping on my phone. <laughs> and... Then he misses his son get a hit as Jerry Jones cries over not having Z. And and in the background of Jerry Jones crying, you hear uh, YouTube uh, highlight videos of Ezekiel Elliott in 2017. <laughs> exactly. So no Zeke right now. There is Tony Pollard. Supposedly Malik Davis is the number two in the depth chart. We, who knows how real this is really going to be. It seems like a classic situation where a veteran is going to be brought in because we talked about once you get typecast as a third down back or just a change of pace back like Tony Pollard – it's hard to shake that. We have a hard time believing Tony Pollard truly going to graduate to full like one A, yeah, like two hundred fifty, three hundred touch status. Denny, it is within the realm of possibility. Uh, Malik Davis. So yeah, Malik Davis. The whole impetus for this was uh, the Athletics' John Mashota reporting that Malik Davis is indeed supposedly the primary backup. Just how much do we believe this? And what do you want to share with the people about the Cowboys' backfield? Well, I mean, you know, I know there are Deuce Vaughn truthers who would reject this you know, on its face and say, no, no, our tiny little running back, highly productive running back out of Kansas State, he's going to be, he's going to be the one. He's going to, in fact, be so good that the team will have no choice but to play him alongside Tony Pollard and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, early reports suggest no, that's not going to happen. Can I just uh, real quick, I just think Deuce Vaughn, the way I view Deuce Vaughn, it's like a direct backup to Tony Pollard. And, He's when, when the pace has already been changed, it needs to be changed even more than Deuce Vaughn will change the pace. And I view him as like a direct backup to so, Tony Pollard. Two things about Tony Pollard. One, uh, he had a horrific leg break to end the season last year. I'm not making light of it. I mean, he's he's like kind of questionable for training camp, maybe. So I think we'll, he's going to be good. It was, again, like Isaiah Pacheco, though, where this was lower body, too. It was a major injury that has kind of been memory hold. And so, you're, right, you're right. The plan is for him to be ready for the start of camp. So it's yeah. not guaranteed. No. It, so that, and a, a plan is good. It's good that they have one, but, <laughs> but, but I mean, he didn't break his leg in like September. He broke his leg in January. Okay. Like, like that, that's significant, I think. And, and uh, we should keep that in mind. Also, you know, just, just last year, um, if you want to know how the Cowboys are going, to operate or how they or how they see Tony Pollard. Uh, last year, Pollard accounted for 36% of the team's rushing attempts. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott had 43% of the attempts. Malik Davis was third with seven, a little over 7% of those rushing attempts. Um, only five teams had a lower pass rate over expected than Dallas last year. Mike McCarthy has spent the past three, four months talking in- incessantly about... Um, well, that was and- too high. Yeah, uh, about, uh, you know, we need to establish the run. We need to run the damn ball, this and that. So I think there are going to be a lot of a lot of rushing attempts to go around uh, in in this uh, Cowboys offense. And that makes whoever is the RB2, that makes them that makes them interesting. Uh, you know, Pollard is going to go at a premium no matter what happens with the leg thing. OK, like he's you're going to have to spend a first rounder on him likely in, in 12 team leagues. Uh, right, that, that's he's going at the end of the first. Thing. He is, yeah. I mean, maybe so. occasionally he'll sneak into the second round, but uh, he's been on that borderline all season. I will be 
uh, extremely interested in whoever takes on this RB two role in Dallas. Yeah, no, it's it's for real. Like very apparently, he's currently going as the uh, the twenty second overall player, Tony Pollard. So we were a little wrong on our ADP. Oh, second, okay, but, second. But once, I mean, if he comes up to camp healthy and like uh, it's all systems go for Tony Pollard, then it's going to get into the first round. There's just no doubt about it. And it is weird with the leg break because like he the leg is probably healed at this point. It's kind of thing where like you have to do so much strength training to get like back up to speed and like get your balance back and that kind of thing where it, it is just no joke where even if he's like technically healed, there's just like many, many steps to that recovery for Tony Pollard. And they don't bring anyone in. I mean, Malik Davis has to be drafted across the board. I mean, even maybe in 10 team leagues, you would have to take yeah. a flyer on Malik Davis. And, I mean, he has been on the roster for several years. They do trust him. He probably showed just enough last year where they could maybe spin it forward in their minds that mm-hmm. he's an acceptable number two back, which he probably isn't, to be honest. They, they probably do need to do better in that well, spot. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty low bar. Pretty low bar it is. For, yeah. for a second. You know, a guy who's like clearly behind the number one. Uh, I, I, I do have a lingering – I have lingering doubts about how the team views Tony Pollard. I, I just – I just see a scenario very clearly in my mind's eye where it's week three and Pollard drafters are eating the pillows on their couch because their guy is just simply not on the field as much as they thought he would be. No, it is. I'm like already pre uh, traumatized. By yeah. You're pre, you're pre tilting over it. I, I am tilting over it. So we'll see. Tony Pollard is one of the summer's most fascinating player. He's also on the cover of our magazine. Um, so, <laughs> Let's go, Pollock. Yep. Tony time. Um, <laughs> Tony time. Well, we're all rooting for you, Tony. Uh, yeah. We actually are. Yeah. Uh, to end the show, we thought we'd talk about a few ADPs that have been changing. And when we talk about ADP, it's always based on underdog, which very sharp drafting group. Also, just those are the people drafting right now. <laughs> some, some mock drafts are finally getting going for people like practicing, like redraft. I guess that's something that happens. Um, but people drafting like crazy over at underdog. Uh, we, one of the biggest movers since June 1st in ADP, Denny, is Jerome Ford. Uh, arrowed a screaming upward who we'd already had reports throughout the offseason that he was going to be the number two back to Nick Chubb, which is a pretty crazy amount of resources the Browns had, had invested in that backfield. Uh, two, for the, relatively speaking, for the running back position, two really highly paid guys in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And it seemed like maybe they would just think bigger behind Nick Chubb, who they've never have wanted to entrust with more snaps on third down, but it's only Jerome Ford. Uh, not much of a track record. They apparently love him. The Cleveland Plain Dealers, Mary Kay Cabot, who's also been on the show, believes the Browns uh, will add another back before the season, but not a big name like Dalvin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott. So his ADP has been up. This report just came out today. Does this throw cold water on Jerome Ford and his apparently surging ADP? I mean, I I like I like Ford. I like taking him in um, maybe not in best ball drafts, but I, I will I will enjoy taking him in, in redraft leagues because he seems to have a, a a pretty secure role as a guy who would benefit from a Nick Chubb absence. Now, Nick Chubb is not one to struggle with injuries. He's a he's a very durable guy. I, I should say, just for legal purposes, the best pure rusher in the game, uh, Nick Chubb. Um, but you know, I'm looking back at some some recent reports on Jerome Ford. The Athletics Zach Jackson back in mid-May wrote that Ford is quote he's going to 
take whatever action Chubb does not take uh, in the Cleveland backfield. So could be kind of a Kareem Hunt type type deal. I do think that the Browns shifting offense toward a more balanced or even pass first model could uh, change that that Kareem Hunt role and could change the the Nick Chubb role traditional like what we've thought of it under under Kevin Stefanski that could change it as well. Um, but again, I mean, just like Malik Davis, if he truly is that RB2 guy, uh, Ford becomes like a must stash for for people who are not like hammering running back early on in drafts. I do think it's interesting that we're getting reports now that they might add another back and that kind of, the steam for Jerome Ford, the optimism from the Browns coaching staff might have been a little like hopium. And because this is a guy who was a fifth round pick last year and he just he did not touch the ball on offense. And I know they had Nick Chubb, I know they had Cream Hunt, but Cream Hunt was totally gassed, totally gone by the second half of the season. And they still couldn't get this supposedly uber talented rookie a single touch yeah, on offense. That is very interesting. And if you really like a guy, again, they forced their way on the field in some capacity. And he did not do that as a rookie. No. And now it is very interesting. It's mid June, we're a month away from camp. And they go, oh, yeah, they actually might sign Ryan. Yeah, I'm starting to come come around on the idea that Nick Chubb might be used in ways that we're not used to seeing him used. And if that happens, uh, wow, he is going to have quite a ceiling for the. He's first like Derrick Henry, right? I don't understand why they haven't done it. Like, why would you just not try to get Nick Chubb two or three receptions per game? Like, you you don't have to make him like Austin Eckler, but get him two receptions per game. He's and such a good runner that they never want him catching passes. No, never ever that's ever. How it goes. We'll see what happens to Jerome Ford, who right now, I mean, he's a classic. Of, if they don't sign another back, he's going to be someone who's really exciting to have on your bench for a variety of reasons yeah. because uh, they have always featured two backs. And Nick Chubb just handles so many touches. He has missed a few games. He's never had a big injury, mm-hmm. but like pretty good odds that Nick Chubb, anyone who touches the ball that much, will miss at least a game or two any given any given season. So Jerome Ford, very, very interesting ADP. Danny, Jalen Hyatt's ADP has been way down. And there were reports last week he was running with the third-team offense. I mean, really not that surprising for someone who's just getting his, his leg, his feet wet in the NFL. Um, was essentially like a one-trick pony gadget player at Tennessee. He has a lot to learn, a lot to get up to speed and like a much more sophisticated NFL offense. I mean, we're getting like pro Paris Campbell reports for some reason. This is this happens every offseason. Wow no matter what uh, are we are drafters right to be not enthusiastic about Jalen Hyatt's rookie odds and Brian Dable's offense. Yeah. I, I, you know, the, the wide receivers coach for the giants unprompted said, I'm not concerned about Jalen Hyatt's uh, limited route tree in college. Uh, I think buddy, I think that means you're concerned. <laughs> yeah. uh, pretty pretty yeah. sure you wouldn't have mentioned it if, uh, if that were the case, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think you can write off Hyatt as a as a, a redraft pick. I, you I mean, know, he's wide receiver seventy five. I don't really know why I was allowed to bring him up on the show. Probably shouldn't have. Well, no, I, I think there there are some sickos who would say, you know, folks have ro- rookie fever this time of year, and they might say, hey, I got to get this rookie. He's fast. He can sure run. He made so many big plays. There could be some people, yeah, who think he's like going to be their diamond in the rough this year. Yeah, uh, I, I do have you know, a little bit of PTSD from ignoring Odo Beckham back when he was a uh, giants rookie and uh, feeling, feeling the effects of that. But uh, I, I do, I think Darius Slayton is a, is a, is a really good, really solid, if not 
not super exciting, but a solid pick at ADP. I think uh, Paris Campbell, if he takes on that primary slot role, I know we talk ad nauseum yeah, about yeah, Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell's not going to make the team, but no, stop. He's stop. not. He, Paris yeah. Campbell is really good. It's just a matter of being on the field, and that's yeah, that's an issue. He has every every year. Look, I personally, I don't want Paris Campbell to get injured. I, I can't speak for you, but no, I but, don't uh, either. I I I was in on Paris Campbell last year for like the final time. It it was going to count this time. It, well, and it, then it didn't. It okay, but you have to consider the circumstances. If Matt Ryan had played the whole season like he should have, Paris Campbell would have been quite fun for fantasy as a, as a scam, as a PPR scam. It is a one-year, $3 million deal. That's a non-trivial amount of money. And the Athletics' Dan Dugan has reported it looks like he will be, quote, a featured piece of the offense. So Paris Campbell is at least worthy of a late-round flyer uh, yet again, apparently. But yeah. got to really, really keep those expectations tempered. Final guy, just someone we hadn't really talked about on the show uh, at all this offseason, even though he's, he's pretty intriguing, uh, part of a changing offense, mm-hmm. uh, Gerald Everett, who we're hoping yeah. the Chargers go more – Deeper down the field, there's been a guy who's had explosive big play ability uh, out of the seam in the past. Uh, ADP's up. People are taking notice. What do we think about Gerald Everett heading into 2023? I mean, he's he's very much overlooked at at the moment, and I, I get why. Like, first of all, every time the Chargers are on national TV, Gerald Everett makes at least one just completely boneheaded play, and yes. and uh, it Some really of that goes beyond a drop. Like yeah, something he bats up into the air in the end zone, it, and, yeah. right? Or or just puts the ball out, of, you know, uh, to his side while he's running. He's carrying it like a loaf of bread. I never, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, uh, he was eighth in tight end targets last year and seventh in tight end pass routes, despite missing two full games and and part of another one. Uh, so that probably would have been top five in in both those categories with a full season. Uh, so he's, he's kind of boring. I get that. I, I totally understand. But, uh, as far as like late round tight ends go, you want, you need guys who are out there running all the routes. And that's probably what you'll have because you have Donald Parham and Trey McKitty behind him. I don't see either of those guys, uh, usurping Everett. So it could be just a, a nice, boring, uh, late round pick. If you fade the, 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 uh, Andrews and Kelsey's and whatnot. And it's an offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore who seemed to like to pick a featured tight end during his time in Dallas. And he, he didn't seem to be into like tight end rotations and Dalton Schultz, you know, questionable time. I mean, he's a good player, but you can debate like how good he actually is. And Kellen Moore always stayed committed to him. And those other guys in Los Angeles, like you said, don't have a viable claim to number one status. It seems like there's a pretty easy case to make that Gerald Everett was going to remain on the field a ton that despite the mistakes, he does have big playability. I was hoping it's a better designed, more explosive offense this year. And yeah, uh, as frustrating as it is, no one wants to do it. You cannot sleep on Gerald Everett this offseason. Yeah, Don Schultz, Don Schultz, it did not excite anybody when they drafted him last year, last summer. And but he was pretty, pretty damn good for fantasy. I think Everett could uh, be the same thing. Yeah, the the Blake Jarwin drafters never recovered. Uh, they, yeah. they, they never did. I don't want to talk about it. Never ever recovered. Um, we will recover from the show because it's over. We're going to go rest our voices. Um, you know, for Thursday, when we're going to be back with Kyle Dvorak, we're going to be doing another best ball draft. Speaking of underdog and best ball, we will be drafting 
I drafted the first time. The plan is for either you or Kyle, I believe, to draft this time. We don't know who yet. It's going to get the honor. Give, give me the give me the honor. You want that smoke? I, um, I would enjoy that smoke, yes. He would enjoy that smoke. So there's going to be – Denny would always enjoy that smoke. <laughs> uh, sorry. That might be too opaque of a joke. Family, but, uh, uh, family podcast. Yeah, family podcasts. Uh, so for Denny Carter, I'm Patrick Dory. Keep it locked on the site. There will still be news this week. We'll be back on Thursday with Mr. Kyle Dvorak. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.